Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Welcome back to another edition of Single High, the Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com. Coming to you day before Notre Dame takes on Cal. Still looking for that first W of the season, the first W of the Marcus Freeman era. Big game on tap for the Irish. Game that we didn't think was going to be big that became a big game uh, after last week's result. But uh, hey, I am your host, Frank Fatovich, coming to you solo this week. Unfortunately, Greg and I's schedules could not fully align. And if you haven't been able to tell by now, my voice is not necessarily uh, cooperating this week as well. A little man brought home another daycare cold. Thankfully, it is only a daycare cold, as our tests have proven to us. Uh, but it has wrecked uh, my voice, as you uh, you may be able to tell. So I'm going solo today. I'm going to see how long I can record. I got a beer here to you know, help me get through this. I also got a little bit of orange turmeric ginger tea that we had downstairs in our pantry when I searched for any tea just in case I needed a little something for the old vocal cords to be able to make it through this because there's a lot to talk about. I got a lot of questions to run through. I got a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts on, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, on this week's game. So before we, uh, you know, we jump right in, why don't I get this out of the way? Ah, there it is. There it is. I just opened up um, a lovely double IPA here. Uh, I I believe it's just called 10. And if you're wondering, did I intentionally pick out a beer, you know, whose name is 10 in honor of Notre Dame's QB1? You're damn right I did. Uh, This is is from Treehouse Brewery. You've heard me talk about this in the last few pods. It's called Treehouse at 10. It's their 10th anniversary beer. Double IPA clocking in at a very respectable 8.8% alcohol volume. So I'm going to take a sip of this and we're going to just jump right in. Oh, yeah. Tasty. I mean, again, they don't miss. Treehouse Brewery does not miss. If anybody from Treehouse is listening and you want to sponsor the pod, you you could just send some beer down my way. That's all it's going to take. Uh, no money's involved. Just uh, just send me some of these beers because they are amazing. All right. So, like I said, I picked this beer. as a number 10. Notre Dame's new QB1, Drew Pine, taking over the reins. is a Notre Dame uh, starting quarterback this weekend. Um, 
Notre Dame offense could look a little bit different, regardless of what Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese have, have said this week. He's got a different skill set than uh, than uh, you know Tyler Buckner did. Obviously, he's not the runner that uh, you know that Buckner uh, that Buckner was or is. And, you know for uh, you know for this offense, so that's going to change some things that Notre Dame is going to be able uh, Notre Dame is going to be able to do. But overall, I think Notre Dame is going to actually be able to move the ball better than they have the last couple weeks not necessarily because i think pine is just going to come in and magically fix things i think notre dame spent this week going back to the drawing board a little bit um and uh, and tommy reese and uh, you know his offensive coaching staff are going to make some changes uh you know coming out of uh coming out of the disappointing effort against marshall uh, you know you might be saying well why do you think that's going to happen this week when it didn't happen last week well i think Playing Ohio State week one, getting contained on offense, um, you know, against uh, against Ohio State on the road in a, in a you know, sophomore's first career start could have given this staff maybe a little bit of a false sense of what this team can and can't do on the offensive side of the ball. Now you do that the next week against a team like Marshall, and you have to face some cold hard realities of what you know what you can do what you're good at what you're not good at so i think we're going to see tommy reese call a little bit of a different game we talked about it um last week when uh, you know when greg and i uh you know previewed the uh, the marshall game and we said you know we want notre dame to you know to, to notre dame's offense to be run the way notre dame you know envisions its offense well guess what it didn't really necessarily work out um and it looked like you know tommy reese called what he wanted to call thinking it was going to kind of eventually work it didn't um so now he's got to adjust and if there's one thing that Tommy Reese has shown the ability to do um, as a as an offensive coordinator for Notre Dame, it is adjust on the fly. Um, yeah, we've talked on the last couple pods uh, about how it is not ideal. It's far from ideal. In fact, it's downright bad that the last two seasons Notre Dame really miscalculated what they had on offense and really had to readjust midseason and almost. I don't want to say completely scrap the offense that they thought they were going to run and run something different, but really, you know, change what, uh, you know, change the identity, you know, that they, that they thought they were going to have, um, you know, early in the season happened last year. If you remember, Notre Dame came out in that first half against Florida state looked great, right? Florida state adjusted. And then Notre Dame had trouble moving the ball. Notre Dame had trouble the next week against Toledo. Notre Dame didn't necessarily look great moving the ball against Purdue in the third game of the season. If it wasn't for uh, a very uh, generous uh, Graham Mertz against Wisconsin and a special teams touchdown, it doesn't look like Notre Dame scores a ton of points uh, against Wisconsin last year. And you had the uh, Cincinnati game, where again, the only time Notre Dame really moved the ball was when Drew Pine came in in relief of Jack Cohn after uh, the offense really stalled for the entire first half. And then even going into the Virginia Tech game, Notre Dame had to switch quarterbacks in the middle of that game. And really, again, they got, got lucky in a lot of those cases that they were 5-1, and one, uh, you know, going into, going into the bye week. And then after the bye, you saw a completely different offense. You saw, uh, you know, Notre Dame really focus, again, on what they, what they were what they were good at and they scrapped the long ball which was a really something that they wanted to focus on in the beginning of last season and adjusted 
Um, Notre Dame's going to have to do that again. Um, you're not, you know, a week is not a, enough time to do exactly what we saw. You know, between the Virginia Tech and USC games last year, but I think we will see. Yeah, Reese start to adjust what he is going to do. He's going to have Drew Pine calling the game. I think, you know, what we've seen out of Drew Pine is a quarterback that could come in and and move the ball. I know he didn't look great against, um, you know, Marshall, but that was coming in cold off the bench in the fourth quarter, down 11 points after not really playing a whole heck of a lot of, uh, you know, football in a long time. So it's not, you know, necessarily, I'm not making, you know, you can't make, you're not making an excuse for it and saying like, oh, well, you know, don't forget it. Every play counts. And Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame still had an opportunity when Pine threw that interception to potentially get back, uh, you know, in that game. But, uh, you know, they did, they did not. But what we saw from Drew Pine last year was we saw a quarterback that could come in and move the ball. Right, Pine came in off the bench against Wisconsin. He led Notre Dame to ten points. Um, again, then you had Tyree getting the, uh, you know, the uh, the, uh, the the kickoff return and the uh, the multiple you know pick sixes in the fourth quarter that really again inflated Notre Dame's point total in that game. But Pine still moved the ball, you know, as well if not better than Jack Cohn in that game. Um, and that was after you know Cohn. Uh, you know, Cone got hurt and got uh, got knocked out. In Cincinnati, Notre Dame had zero points on the board when they went to Drew Pine at halftime. Pine led him to 14. It could have been more if, uh, you know, again, if Kevin Austin doesn't drop that ball at midfield where he had a lot of room, a lot of room around him in that game to be able to, uh, you know, to, to, to get the ball downfield. But um, we've seen Pine be able to come in and uh, and move the ball. Now he's going to be facing a defense this week that in some ways kind of lets you move the football. They really focus. Cal's defense is really good at not preventing, or at, sorry, at preventing the big play um, and really making you earn it. And if anything, I mean, that's kind of the reputation that Pine has as a quarterback in some regards. Some regards, I think it's not necessarily the most accurate of, uh, you know, of, uh, of characterizations of you know drew pine but he's got the ability to march notre dame down the field on you know 10 12 play drives and that's how notre dame has been able to score this year they haven't been able to create the explosives um so if anything it's it's almost strength on strength in some regards um you know when we're looking at the notre dame offense versus the cal uh versus the cal defense but i think he is going to be able to come in and he's going to play he's going to play pretty well and I'm going to go back and I'm going to say it's really, it's it's still, you know, days later getting really annoying seeing all the Notre Dame fans who are ready to just write off Drew Pine and say, let's just go right to Stephen Jelly. And look, I have talked very glowingly of Stephen Jelly after the, you know, the blue and gold game throughout recruiting. Uh, again, I always, always am supportive of the Jersey guys when, uh, you know, when, when, when they go to, uh, you know, to Notre Dame, but he's a true freshman who was running scout team last week. It's not, it is a tall task to ask him to, uh, you know, to come in and, uh, you know, and, and play. And like I said, Pine has played well when he's given, when he's given the chance other than again, against Marshall. And I know fans want to point to the blue gold game, but I'm sorry, the blue and gold game, the success or failure in the blue and gold game is, 
in no way indicative of what happens in a uh, in, in a regular season. If if it were, Deshaun Kaiser would not have had a good. Deshaun Kaiser would have been nowhere near, you know, the depth chart in 2015 because he looked very bad in the 2015 blue and gold game. And then he came in in relief of Malik Zaire when Zaire broke his ankle uh, in the second game of the season. Looked pretty good. <laughs> looked pretty good. Uh, you know, through uh, you know through uh, you know through the rest of the season. Um, and I mean, even still, you can go back. There's Junior Jabby. Is a run a name at running back that always comes up when people talk about you know ridiculous blue and gold game performances that ultimately didn't lead to you know on field success the following season. But I, I don't take much stock in 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 what we saw you know in uh, in in that game. I think you're going to see him play pretty well, uh, you know, pretty pretty well this weekend. Now, is he going to come in and throw for 350 and four touchdowns and no interceptions? I think that's a little unreasonable. Uh, I mean, it's it's not to say it's impossible, but it's probably a little unreasonable uh, to think that's, uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a likely outcome for, uh, you know, for Drew Pine this, uh, you know, this weekend. Because if he's, if he's capable of doing that, then you're, there's going to be a lot of questions as to why he wasn't starting, uh, you know, in the in the beginning of the uh, you know of the season, considering how the uh, the offense played, but that is the that is the big big uh, you know storyline that uh, you know of the of the week for Notre Dame is they really tried to find an identity, they try to find a way to get a first win, uh, you know, for Marcus Freeman. I don't think any of us thought that we would be here uh, on you know September sixteenth. By the time y'all are hearing this. Um, you know, thinking about, well, how is Notre Dame just going to get the first win of the Marcus Freeman era? I think everybody assumed we would be at worst one and one right now, and we'd be talking about how much is Notre Dame going to beat Cal by, not, you know, can they, uh, you know, can they, uh, you know, can they beat Cal? But hey, here we are. And uh, if everything played out in sports the way we wanted or the way that we uh, we thought, we'd all be rich people because we'd all be, you know, betting on every game and uh, and living on the islands. But guess what? That's not what happens. So we'll see if Notre Dame is able to, uh, you know, to get that uh, that first win of the uh, of the Marcus Freeman era. Mm. Drew Pine is not the only storyline of the you know of the week for Notre Dame. There's actually a little bit of recruiting news going on. Recruiting is really slowed down, but a little bit of recruiting news. We got some former players returning to uh, you know to campus this week. We got some green jerseys. Not only do we got green jerseys, folks, we got green jerseys with names on the back, which as expected, or not as expected because we didn't know the names were coming, but as soon as I saw that, <laughs> my first thought was, oh, well, this is going to cause, uh, cause an uproar, and sure enough, it has, uh, you know, you got uh, a lot of the, uh, a, a lot of um, fans who are, you know, mad, mad that they're wearing green, mad that there's names on the jerseys to begin with. Then there's some that's just like, wow, wow, but the, the, should, the names should be, or sorry, the, the numbers should be in white if, uh, you know, if the, if the names are in white, because the numbers are, uh, are the blue numbers, like uh, we saw Notre Dame wear against Florida State in 2018 personally i like them but i also irrationally like the blue on uh on green color scheme i have a couple of notre dame you know hoodies and t-shirts that follow the same scheme i realize i might be in the minority on that uh because i even have some friends who are not 
you know, who uh, are uh, non Notre Dame fans who have seen that color scheme and think it's awful. So I get it. I like it. Um, I think they look sharp. Uh, the names on the back of the jerseys. I get why fans are upset um, uh, or, you know, are complaining about it. It is something that Notre Dame generally, you know, uh, keeps for the bowl game. And uh, given that Notre Dame is 0-2 right now, I could see why, you know, it raised some eyebrows. But let's be honest, the decision for that was made a long time ago when they placed the order for these jerseys. So it's not like... You know, they were going to call up Under Armour this week and say, hey, we're 0-2. Can you, you know, sew a patch over all those names? Because, uh, you know, we don't we don't want the, the name there because it's going to, uh, you know, annoy folks. It's not how, th- how things work. Um, other than that, I think they look good. I always like the, the, the Irish wear green. If you followed UHND over the years, you know there's been many a year where the entire color scheme of UHND has been, uh, you know, very green-centric. Uh, if you followed me on Twitter over the years, you know there's been games that that are Irish wear green themed where I've actually dyed my hair and my beard bright green and gone into them. Most recently, the Cotton Bowl in 2018 when I hung out with uh, ND Text at, uh, at at his tailgate um, and had a lot of fun. Um, that hair dye was, you know, kind of a pain in the ass to get out once, uh, you know, once we got smacked around a little bit by Clemson. But other than that, you know, it was a it was a good time by everybody. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see what they, you know, what they look like in the light because we've never seen Notre Dame wear these specific jerseys in a day game, um, and so it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll it'll be fun, you know, to see. I get why people get upset about it, but a lot bigger problems to worry about right now, folks, than, uh, than, than names on the jerseys or the fact that Notre Dame is, uh, you know, is wearing green. If anything, I think it's huge. Another huge miss by Under Armour, Notre Dame, Fanatics, whoever controls it, that they didn't have these jerseys ready for sale on, uh, you know, on the, at least they didn't have them on Fanatics earlier today when I, when I looked after I saw the, uh, you know, the tweet come out from Notre Dame with the names on the jerseys. It's just, it's baffling to me right now that there's so many merchandise related things that, uh, you know, we're seeing on social media, whether it's stuff Freeman's worn or the, uh, the other coaching staff that fans are clamoring for, that they're just not releasing. Um, I mean, Under Armour released a couple green Irish wear green items. It wasn't the hoodies that Freeman's been rocking in the off season that fans have been, uh, you know, yelling for. So it, just a miss. It's a, it's a, it's a miss. Um, that Under Armour contract runs through, I think, 2024. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens you know, with that. But uh, that's a story for another day. That's like an off-season content type, uh, you know, type piece. Um, so let's get back to you know, kind of the, the task at hand. Also, after a sip, these solo pods are very difficult for the beer drinking because normally I got Greg on the other side. You know, he'll go on a rant sometimes for like five, six minutes. He'll get these monologues where I could crush like, you know, almost like half the beer. And if anything, I'm like out halfway through. The solo ones, it is a much, it's a much different um, struggle, but the struggle the struggle's still real in, uh, in in trying to sneak these sips in. So if you give me a second here, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a big one. So it kind of holds me over for uh, you know for a while. Mm. 
Nice. Okay. Yeah. Damn. I swear to you all. You ever see a treehouse uh, brewery beer? Just get it if you like IPAs. I've n- never had anything from them that is not just awesome. So thank you, Treehouse. You guys, you guys do good stuff. So even if things go off the rails on Saturday, at least I know I'll have some Treehouse beers. Uh, you know, this week to uh, to to ease the pain. Yeah, but I mentioned there is some recruiting news. Notre Dame does have an official visitor this weekend. We got Tayshawn Lyons, wide receiver, coming in. He's the only uncommitted class of twenty-three unofficial visitor, you know, coming in. Uh, you know, this weekend, uh, you know, Drake Bowen is is going to be on campus because he's just, uh, you know, he's always there, which is which is great. The mayor of the of this recruiting class is going to be there. Uh, you know, hopefully to help. Uh, you know, Lord Lyons into this class because I tell you what, he's not as highly rated as the three wide receivers who are committed already, but he adds a dimension to that trio that just doesn't really, that the three don't, uh, you know, don't necessarily possess right now. And that's just, um, you know, a little bit of uh, game breaking speed. He had a monster game last week you know at the high school level now 300 yards it was 300 yards and like four touchdowns or something like that uh, so he's a game-breaking wide receiver he's cousins with Tariq Bracey who just so happens to be continuing you know his resurgence so hopefully you know Tayshawn Lyons uh, while he's here this weekend it's he's hopefully he sees Notre Dame get a win hopefully he sees the offense start to get its feet under it maybe he sees you know, his cousin get an interception or make a, you know, make a big play so that um, it really leaves a positive impression. Because if there's one thing we've seen, and I don't think, I, I don't think any Notre Dame fan could argue is that Notre Dame needs more receivers and more playmakers um, in general. Um, if you've watched any game, it might be like one of the only things right now that all Notre Dame fans could universally agree about which is it's hard to do because Notre Dame Twitter doesn't really agree with a whole hell of a lot but uh, I think that's one so it'd be great to get him into the fold uh, to join uh, you know Jaden Greathouse Rico Flores and Braylon James I tell you what you had lines to that group and that is a that's a strong strong group of receivers would go a long way in really rebuilding a wide receiver room that was left pretty barren by the previous uh you know coaching staff which again i know we had questions last week of did you know did kelly leave the cupboard bare he didn't leave the entire cupboard bare but i'll tell you what he left that wide receiver shelf pretty damn bare um and that's you know that's on him it's on Dell alexander also a little bit on tommy reese because what notre dame did not do this offseason to address that is add any graduate transfers at receiver which was a huge surprise i think to everybody uh, we heard all offseason Notre Dame's going to add a couple transfers. They're going to add a couple transfers. They did, but it was a kicker, a punter, you know, a defensive tackle, um, not uh, and, and a safety. Um, no, uh, no playmakers and uh, on the offensive side of the ball, which was a it was a miss. There's no other way to to say that. Um, but you get Lions in this class and uh, and you're looking pretty good at receiver for at least the class of uh, you know of 2023. You got to score some points though. You have to score some points this weekend when you got a wide receiver making an official visit. So this is where we'll see what Drew Pine can do with the Notre Dame offense. 
Um, and we'll see if he can get the ball moving a little bit. Um, you know, I already mentioned it. I'll bring, I'll bring it up now because I don't think I got any questions on it um, specifically. But, um, yeah, it, it, or maybe there is, but if there is, we'll just reference this answer. You know, there's this misconception, I think, that Drew Pine is just going to want to want to dink and dunk his way down the field. And I think that comes from, again, all of this, this perception of Drew Pine is this, you know, this little underdog quarterback who, you know, you know, shouldn't be starting at Notre Dame and all of this nonsense that you're reading on Twitter this week, which, you know, didn't exist last year when, when Pine came off the bench against Cincinnati, everybody was calling for him to start and calling for Notre Dame to Jack Cohn, myself included. I I think it was I. It was either I or Greg. I can't remember which one of us wrote the article last year saying it was time to change quarterbacks at Notre Dame. It was time to get Pine on the, you know, on on the field. But there's this, you know, misconception that he just wants to, you know, dink and dunk and throw the ball three yards and and hope receivers run after the catch. But I, I mean, if anything, in the very limited body of work, we've seen Pine take more shots downfield, and we want to see him. We've seen him, you know, try to throw the ball and 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 push it downfield sometimes to a detriment but i mean hell he threw the you know the longer i forget the exact yardage i should have looked it up sorry guys and gals but um you know he threw the touchdown to Lindsay in the cincinnati game where uh you know he he just let it rip and he threw it which is probably not the most um sound decision because he threw a 50 50 ball to Braden Lindsay while Lindsay was being covered by kobe bryant who's now in the nfl and Look, I love Braden Lindsey, but 50-50 balls are not his strong suit. Um, but he threw that ball up in the end zone and, you know, took his chance. And, you know, Lindsey hauled it down. It was one of the better plays of Braden Lindsey's career. So I don't necessarily think that, you know, you're just going to see, um, you know, you know Pine dinking and dunking, uh, you know, his way downfield. I think you're going to see him take some shots. Now, I know everybody's got questions about his arm strength. I know I shared the clip um, that Matt Freeman from Irish Sports Daily posted over the summer of uh, of Pine at the uh, the Manning passing camp, where he takes a, kid takes a three step drop, steps forward, fires off a you know a bomb that goes fifty five yards in the air that hits his receiver in stride. Right, that should be a good thing. And everyone's wow, yeah, he's not he's not wearing pads. No, 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 like. You know, there's no pass rush. It's a three-step drop. Like, he's a three-step drop, and he lets it go. It's not like it, – it, it wasn't like, you know, a seven-step drop where he, like, runs into it, puts all of his body into it, and, like, you know, it just goes 55 yards. The, he could have thrown that farther. Like, so – but people, you know, look at it, and they go, well, it's only 55 yards. He should throw it 70. And it's like, calm down. And, again, let the kid – have his chance. This is his moment. We're going to see what he's got. Um, but he's got the ability to, you know, to release, uh, or sorry, to, you know, to unleash passes like that. And let me tell you, if he's, if he's hitting plays 55 yards down the, down the field in the air and hitting receivers in stride, his arm strength could be plenty good, you know, for him to get this offense turned, uh, you know, turned around. Is it going to be pretty good? Is it going to be good enough if Notre Dame were to run into an Alabama? No. We, probably not, you know, because we, we've seen that, you know, Ian Book could do that. But Ian Book won a lot of games for Notre Dame. And after starting 0-2, I tell you what, I bet you there's a lot of fans who wish Ian Book was lining up under center this weekend because you'd feel pretty good about, you know, Notre Dame's chances. So all of that, though, again, to say 
give Pine his chance, and we're going to see you know what this offense looks like, uh, you know, with uh, you know with, with with him at the helm. So um, that's one you know, the uh, one other you know angle for the week. Other thing I was going to talk about before going into some of the more specific preview stuff and then getting into questions was there's some players returning this week, which I think is pretty damn cool. Um, Notre Dame is really publicizing Manti Teo coming back to, uh, you know, to campus. They tweeted out a picture of, uh, you know, of him saying he's coming back. Marcus Freeman was asked about him at his Thursday press conference. And, you know, the hope is, you know, Manti gets there early enough who's a, and he's able to, uh, you know, to address the team. Um, and walk with them, you know, from the Basilica to the, uh, you know, to the stadium as Notre Dame goes, uh, you know, goes through campus. Um, but, you know, if there's, if there's any former player who could talk to this team about, you know, how to handle adversary, ad, uh, ad, <laughs> adversity um, and, uh, you know, kind of rise above it, um, it's, uh, you know, it's Manti Teo. He was also a pretty damn good football player for this team. So, I think it's great just in general that Notre Dame is really making an effort to get the former players back. We heard a lot of the other, we heard a lot of former players in the wake of Brian Kelly leaving say they didn't always necessarily feel, not they didn't feel welcome, but that it wasn't, um, that Notre Dame um, under Kelly didn't necessarily, you know, go out of their way for former players. So it's great to see Freeman um, and this, uh, you know, kind of this regime doing that, publicizing when, when, when players like Teo are coming back. Tavon Coney is also going to be on campus. Um, yeah. Again, Matt over at ISD had a great article on, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, on Coney and, and what he's doing in life right now. Um, Cause even though, I mean, he had a, he had a little cup of coffee in the, uh, you know, in the NFL, uh, but is uh, you know kind of he's he's winning off the field right now um, in, uh, in 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 the business world pretty well, even though he's only been out of school for a few years. So head on over to Irish Sports Daily, check that out because it was a really good article um, that Matt had. Uh, I think he published that on maybe Wednesday. But um, it's just great in general to see these you know these former players coming back and uh, and really being involved and being part of uh, you know part of the game weekend. Um, I mean it's. It, it can't hurt recruiting. Um, and again, having somebody like Teo hopefully address, uh, you know, if we be able to address the team, um, you know, should, uh, should be nothing but a, uh, nothing but a positive. So, all right, time for, uh, time for a little sip here. All right, let's go into some of the things that, um, you know, that worry me. Some of the things that don't worry me this weekend, some players I'm going to watch, and then uh, then we're going to run into some, through some questions because we've got a lot of them. So there we go. Things that worry me this week. I mean, I think obviously you have to say the offensive line. There's no – the offensive line has not looked good. Um, and we thought it was going to be a strength. Everybody thought it was going to be a strength. Um, it should be a strength. You got I, – I realize that, you know, now, you know, some of the – I think it was Reese said something about, well, you know, our tackles have played like a combined nine games. Okay, that's true. But at the same time, they both started a, a bowl game. They had all offseason to get worked, uh, you know, to, to run with the first unit. And neither one looks as good as what we saw in the Fiesta Bowl, which is concerning. Uh, and that's Joe Alt and Blake Fisher. 
So we know both are capable of playing better, which is also, I mean, you could say that's cause for optimism because it's like we've seen them play better than they've played against better opponents. Right, that Oklahoma State defense last year was was supposed to be a pretty good defense, and they they played pretty well against them. So um, we know they can. It's just the offensive line has not looked great. Um, you know, Jarrett Patterson played his first game. I was very frustrated, um, as the report said after the game, and kind of had to be calmed down. Which again, I look at that almost as a positive. Shows that he gives a shit and that he really cares. So. Um, yeah, what? But but the in the in the grand scheme of things, the offensive line's got to get some stuff figured out and get it figured out in a hurry. Uh, we saw them do it last year. Uh, if you uh, you know, I'm sure nobody forgets that that we saw the offensive line struggle last year, and then play really well. Um, you know, in the second half of the season. Again, we don't got a bye week to figure this out, but um, we'll see how much they can improve this week. Um, you know, none of the coaches this week have said they're thinking about any lineup changes just yet. Uh, but you got to think if Notre Dame struggles again this weekend, that that can't be, can't be too far off. Cause you gotta, if, if you struggle again this week, you gotta think of, you gotta find, start, start looking elsewhere for, uh, you know, for some answers. Um, and I think Tommy Reese can help the offensive line out a lot. If you stop running into stacked boxes, um, you know, Notre Dame's got a good offensive line, uh, or I shouldn't say Notre Dame is supposed to have a good offensive line. We'll say it that way. Is that um, you know they're they're supposed to be pretty good. You know that, that Notre Dame has talent. Let's say it that way. Notre Dame's got a talented offensive line that's, that's not playing to their to their potential just yet. Um, but it really doesn't them no uh, it does nobody a uh, you know and any good if you just you know keep calling running plays into you know eight and nine in the box and you don't give your quarterback either you don't give your quarterback the ability to check out of it or you don't act, you know, do something about why they're not checking out of it and that's what happened a lot last week where Notre Dame just kept kind of running into uh, running into numbers which is not great folks um, it it's uh, it, it makes the job of, of of the running backs harder it makes the job of the offensive line harder so Tommy Reese can do some things um, you know to help alleviate that. But it's still a worry, right? Like, I, I can't sit here and say, I'm not worried about the offensive line. They're going to figure it out, right? You know, they didn't play great against Ohio State. Okay, it's Ohio State. Ohio State's got some dudes. Even if their defense isn't expected to be great, they got dudes. Fine. You struggle against Marshall, and it's like, okay, well, now, 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 now you got to see something before you say that that is not, uh, not going to be a worry. So, that's obviously, I would say, probably the, one of the biggest worries I have coming into this game. Another worry I have, and sticking on the offensive side of the ball, is just Notre Dame getting impatient on offense. So we know Cal's entire defensive scheme is it, it, it's very bent, don't break. It's make you drive down the field, make you earn all your points, eliminate big plays. It, it is meant to frustrate offenses. It's meant to get you, it's meant to get your offense impatient. And I kind of feel like Tommy Reese sometimes has an inclination to get impatient and doesn't want to do that. Um, now we've seen him, you know, engineer offenses that were very patient when he didn't have playmakers on the perimeter. 2020, for instance, for the most part, that offense did not have 
you know, great deep threats, even though Skoranek, McKinley, Avery Davis all kind of had their moments where they made some big plays downfield. It's not what that offense was built around. And Reese found a way, you know, for that team to manufacture a lot of points. So we've seen him do it, but we've also seen him get impatient um, before. So if he does that this week, that really, really plays into Cal's hand. And Cal does have a pretty good defense. He said it's not a defense that's going to wow you with a ton of sacks. Well, I say that now, but I mean, we'll see what <laughs> see what happens. Um, or a ton of, you know, negative plays. Um, again, they just kind of, they, they, uh, they, they eliminate the big plays and they almost let you become your own worst enemy. Um, and given where Notre Dame's at, it could be very easy to give into that impatience this week. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about Notre Dame in the fourth quarter and just not finishing. Uh, there were questions on this. I'll, I'll kind of answer them now, but I'll still read your questions when we get to them because we read all the questions on this pod. Um, well, not all, but most. Uh, we read all the respectful questions um, that we see. Sometimes we do miss respectful questions, so sorry. But uh, Notre Dame's not been good in the fourth quarter this season. Uh, they weren't good in the fourth quarter in the Fiesta Bowl. And if he has the ball, I think you could say maybe they got, you know, there was a lot of plays in that game. Notre Dame's depth by the end of the season wasn't great. Maybe that one you could chalk up to just running out of gas. Um, against Ohio State, maybe you could say the defense wore down a little bit in the second half because the offense just wasn't doing anything. You couldn't say that in the Marshall game. Notre Dame and, and Marshall had comparable number of plays. Um, so there was really, I, I don't think fatigue you know, kind of set in. I don't think that's why Notre Dame gave up, you know, the 95-yard drive to Marshall that was really critical in uh, in losing that game. I, I don't think that's what it was. Uh, so I, I think, or I should say it's a worry this week that, you know, Notre Dame, you know, has had fourth quarter woes. You got to fix those. Uh, you got to fix them in a hurry. Um, so it is something to, you know, to, to watch for this week. I do think one of the things that could be hurting Notre Dame late in games is subbing too much. Um, you know, you go back to there's there, there were some critical third downs where you had, you know, third string defensive linemen in the game. Look, I'm all for getting all these players reps, but when you're in a close game and it's a critical third down, you got to have your dudes on the field. And you know what? By definition, if a player's third string, that means that they are not the top line player on your team. So I think we Notre Dame might be getting a little too cute at times with its sub packages and trying to, you know, to bring in too many players. Um, so we'll see if that changes at all this weekend. And if maybe they shorten some rotations, um, specifically, um, you know, late, late in games, you know, for some of those critical downs. So that's a lot of what uh, under my worry category. And again, if you read my previews, you know this is kind of how I always break down my previews. Um, what doesn't worry me this week? Um, I, I'm not as I'm not too worried about the Notre Dame defense. Cal's offense is not again. You say it now, and we'll see if I have to eat my words. Cal's offense is not that good. Um, you know qu their quarterback Jack Plummer faced Notre Dame last year when uh you know when he was on uh you know Purdue and he was quarterback of Purdue and his numbers were meh you know last year um in a game that, that you know people thought Notre Dame uh, you know might have you know some struggles on uh you know on the defensive 
side of the ball because Purdue was supposed to be able to put up some points. You know, Plummer last year in that game was 25 of 36, threw for a buck 87, and he had one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, I mean, those are like those are fine numbers, but he, if he does that on Saturday, you're probably taking it. I know I'm taking it. If he's if he's under 200 yards and one touchdown, I'm I'm taking that. You know, I'm taking that all the way. Um, and that's the same game where Notre Dame limited David Bell to uh, you know 64 yards on on seven receptions. Bell's in. Yeah, pretty damn good, uh, you know, receiver. So Plummer's fine. Like he's a fine quarterback, but it is not one that really, you know, scares you, so to speak. Um, so I'm not too worried about the Notre Dame defense, you know, this week, even though there were some some signs of concern on the defense. And it's really, it's funny. It's that, the you know, right now Notre Dame's defense is similar to Cal's in that, and their name has done a really good job this year of limiting explosive plays. They kept an explosive Ohio State offense from, you know, generating big plays. Marshall didn't really get Notre Dame with a lot of explosive plays. It was a lot of, you know, you know, ten thousand cuts type, uh, you know, type attack for the, you know, for the, for the Marshall offense. And the problem with the defense has been not getting sacks, not creating havoc, not creating turnovers. Uh, you know, not doing the things that we thought this defense would do. Uh, and that's, you know, live in the opponent's backfield, you know, on the strength of the defensive line. And, and, and um, you know, last year, Notre Dame had 41 sacks as a, as a team. That's, that's, that's a good number. Uh, and uh, and that's, not, that's not following through this year. Um, that said, <laughs> the defense doesn't worry me, you know, much, you know, this week, just because I don't think the Cal offense is that great. Cal's had some problems on the offensive line uh you know they got a new offensive line coach um and that is uh you know as we've seen even if you get a really good offensive line coach uh you know in their first year there can be some growing pains so if anything i think the Notre Dame defensive line gets on track this week uh and uh and, and we start to feel a little bit better about the defense uh, i'm not too worried about special teams this week i think that first week was a very so-so first week. You had John Sott had a rough, you know, first two punts and then started just booming the ball. Uh, but you had really bad kick uh, return, uh, kick return units against Ohio State. We saw Brian Mason do some adjusting on the fly and fix that uh, pretty, you know, in, in in a pretty short time frame. Um, and that's something that got overlooked because it was a loss to Marshall, um, which is again. <laughs> not good when you lose to Marshall, so people overlook some of the positives, but remember the Ohio State game, Notre Dame looked like they had never blocked a kick return before in their lives. Uh, Chris Tyree's got like four Ohio State guys on him by the 15, and you're like, well, did anybody block them? And then last week, I mean, nobody busted a long one, but, uh, you know, Styles had like a 30-yarder, Tyree had one just under 30, and um, and Brandon Joseph, who caught everything against Ohio State, even times when he had an opportunity to, you know, to, re- to, uh, you know, to return it. Uh, he had a, he had a nice punt return for about 16 yards last week. So special teams, I'm not too worried about. Hopefully we don't need John Sott to be a weapon. Um, he's been, he was, he had a hell of a game against, uh, you know, against Marshall, but, uh, I, I hope we don't see him that much this weekend. If we do, I'm not too concerned about, um, you know, him, uh, you know, him, him helping Notre Dame in the field position game. Lastly, not concerned about the green Jersey curse. Um, 
yeah, that's that's been a curse in the past. There, 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 there was, you could say, you know, a curse of sorts in the past. There's been some really bad games where Notre Dame's worn the green jerseys. Yeah, thinking about uh, 2002, you know, Boston College when they fumbled a million times. 2007 USC, not a good game either. Um, that was awful. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not too worried about it in this game. They announced it ahead of time. It's more, this isn't one of those games where you're wearing green as a surprise and it motivates the opponent as much as it motivates your own team. Uh, I mean, this again, this was announced a while ago. It's a marketing thing. I'm not too worried about, uh, not too worried about that having any impact on the game. Notre Dame loses this weekend. One, two things. One, it's not because they wore green jerseys. And two, we got a whole hell of a lot of more concerns um, than, uh, you know, than the color of the jerseys to be worried about. Some players I'm going to be specifically watching this week. Obviously, Drew Pine said it on the last pod that I have now somehow become the uh, the president of the Drew Pine fan club. Um, I'm going to be pulling for the kid for a number of reasons, man. One, it's it's just it it's it's bothering me. I don't know why. It's really bothering me how so many Notre Dame fans are willing to write him off uh, before he ever gets a chance. And I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, the next Joe Montana, the next Drew Brees or or whatever, right? It's just like he's been in the program. He's a junior. He's a freaking Under Armour All-American. Give him a, give him an opportunity before you're willing to uh, you know, just completely, you know, write him off and say, ah, no, he's not going to do anything. Let's go to the, let's go to the third string. It's like, everybody loves the backup quarterback until you get the backup quarterback. And that's where we're at right now. I'm willing to wait, see what he does. You look, if he struggles, if he's, you know, if he's turning the ball over, I mean, you might have no choice, but to go to Steve Angeli. But until then, give the kid his chance. Uh, we're going to see what he's got. It's not like he's going up against, you know, the 85 Bears or some, you know, some defense that's just going to, like, beat the crap out of him, you know, all day. It's a good defense. Don't worry. Don't get me wrong, Cal. But it's also not one of those defenses where you're like, oh, man, I don't know how we're going to move the ball. If anything, you'll probably be able to move the ball. And scoring and being efficient in the red zone might be the problem. So Pine, I'm going to be looking at... Ooh. Chris Tyree, give the give him. Speaking of giving, just give him the ball. Like I don't, I don't understand why he's gotten so few touches. We should, he should have at least double the amount of touches that he has this season. Um, he's a game breaker. Get your guys in. Get your guys who can create explosive plays the ball. And Notre Dame is not being creative in how they're getting Chris Tyree the ball. You know they were creative with getting him the ball in that uh, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl when you know when they when the, when the blitz came and you just dumped it over the you know over over all of the blitzers and he you know raced into the end zone. Find ways to get him the ball, right? Call some screens. Call you know, you're lining him up in, in in as a you know in, in the slot. Call some jet sweeps to him. Do something, right? Just get him. He is one of your fastest players. Get him the ball. Uh, Tobias Merriweather. I'm going to be watching just to see if he gets on the field because Notre Dame needs some help at receiver. He seems like a guy that can, you know, for some reason, you know, we all thought it was Brian Kelly. It doesn't seem like it was, uh, you know, that, that didn't want to play freshman receivers. Going into week three, you know what? There's got to be a set of plays that he can run. Yeah, I, maybe he doesn't have the full playbook, but come on. Get the kids some plays. See what he can do. Um, you know, we've seen freshman receivers. 
in the past make some plays. Um, and even at other schools, freshman receivers make impacts. So it's time to you know get him on the field and see what, what he can do. Isaiah Foskey, another one I'm looking at. I mean, it's not been the season, the start to the season. I think he envisioned when he came back. He's only got the one sack. Cal's got some offensive line problems. We'll see if he can get back on track, uh, you know, this weekend. Braden Lindsay, somebody else I'm watching this week. Like Braden Lindsay has had some chances for deep balls. It's, just, it's, it's, it's the story of, the, of the, the first part of both of the last two seasons. Braden Lindsay getting open downfield, not getting the ball, you know, just because it, it hasn't been able to connect, right? He's wide open at the end of the first half with 11 seconds or 12 seconds, whatever it was. Could have been a game-changing play, and Buckner just overthrows him. It's like, oh, okay. You know, but the same the same thing happened last year with Cone, where Lindsay was open downfield a lot. In the early part of the season, they couldn't connect. He finally connects in that Purdue game. Lindsey loses it in the sun or whatever, drops the ball in the end zone, and that was the last deep shot, basically, we saw all year to Brayden Lindsey. Now, he and Pine seem to have a little bit of a connection. They got that touchdown in the Cincy game. We'll see. Maybe, maybe one of those deep plays that uh, that has been missed the last two seasons to, uh, to Lindsey gets connected. I'm going to be watching Jarrett Patterson as well. Just because, again, he was very frustrated at the end of uh, you know last week's game. You probably saw some of the pictures on Twitter where he's walking off the field in just his uh, you know his compression shirt with his you know his pads and, and jersey off while he was on the field already. Like I said, you know some people might have looked at that and said, ah, you know your captain set a better example. I look at it and go, you know what? That shows me a player that really gives a shit that they're losing, um, and I'll take that any day. So, be interested to see what uh, you know how he uh, you know how he plays, especially because he's playing hurt. Let's let's not forget that you know he's you know he's he's coming back from injury. He's not a hundred percent. Freeman said today he's not a hundred percent. So, and and just I'm gonna watch all the linebackers because I, the one position group on defense that I think has been a little bit underwhelming so far this year has been the linebackers. Um, and that's really where, you know, the lack of havoc, the lack of turnovers is, uh, is kind of evident in, uh, you know, in that group. So I'm hoping to see a little bit better play from the, you know, from the linebackers this week. All right, man, I did not think I would cover this much time just on my own notes here. Um, also, I'm just going to say I had like eight bullet points. That's it on my Google Doc that I ran off of for that. So I'm going to give myself some props for being able to, to talk or maybe maybe I shouldn't give myself props for rambling for that long. But without without uh, without <laughs> yeah, further ado, we're going to run through some questions. Y'all sent me a lot of questions, um, so I do appreciate it. A lot of the usual suspects, um, you know, had sent in uh sent in questions this week so let's just let's start going through them all right oscar oscar loves sending me questions in languages i don't speak um or or questions with uh with words and languages i don't speak so he asked how can i be how can i be a member of the mm, carde na for 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 essay it's in irish i did look it up Google Translate wouldn't tell me exactly how to say it, so it was I butchered that. I am sure, um, but basically, me it means friends of the forest, 
And if you don't get what that is, it's a Drew Pine reference. Um, so he says, do we all get number 10 jerseys or what? Hashtag see the forest. Hashtag Irish Pine. Um, Oscar, there's plenty of room, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in this club right now. Drew Pine has a good game. There might not be. So, um, so hop aboard. I cannot get you a number 10, uh, a number 10 jersey. However, I think you can go to Fanatics and you could buy a personalized, uh, you know, jersey. Um, and if you're going to do that, go to uhnd.com first. Click on gear in the navigation. Uh, UHND gets a portion of anything that you buy from Fanatics when you do that. So if you want to help the pod, you want to help us out, do that. We greatly appreciate it. Again, it's right in the main nav. It's literally right there. Just click on gear and boop, you're there. So, all right, more questions from Oscar. Uh, where Will there be any big play football asus for Notre Dame, offense or defense? Oscar, both. Both. I know I've said that Cal does not give up big plays. However, I'm almost done with this 8.8% beer, and I'm feeling pretty confident that Notre Dame gets at least one big play on offense. And I think the defense, the defense will come through with uh, with a big player too. Al Golden talked about uh, you know turnovers coming in bunches this week. I think those bunches start. I think they start against Cal because their offense is not very good. So I think that's what uh, I think. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be busy doing some uh, some video editing on Saturday uh, Saturday night. When do they bring back the Irish uh, settler is another question. I'm not sure. You know what? That might be more of a question for our friends at One Foot Down who are much more, um, have much more affection for old Clashmore Mike than maybe, uh, than maybe I do. And then he also says, what's your favorite green sauce-based dish? Oof. Uh, I mean, the first one that came to my mind was I love a good enchilada with verde, uh, you know, with the green sauce. So probably, you know, probably that because that that's probably the one that I would I would say I eat the most. Um, but love an enchilada with uh, with the green sauce. So we'll go with uh, we'll go with that one. We got Incuro Irish um, asking, did you finish All American? Uh, yes, yes, I did. Uh, at least we're my wife and I are fully caught up. We fully caught up. I think just this week, um, you know, through the through the first four seasons. Great, great show. Going to highly recommend it yet again. Do we have an All American on this team? We do. We have multiple All Americans on this team. Not all of them are playing like All Americans just yet. By season's end, I think they will. I mean, obviously, you got Mayer, uh, you know, Foskey. Brandon Joseph, uh, you know, all, you know, come, uh, you know, come to mind. Um, if so, whom? There you go. Uh, Bo Bauer producing at the level you expected? No. I thought we would see more, I, I thought we would see more, you know, kind of impactful plays from Bo, uh, you know, from Bo Bauer this year. He did have the punt block, so I will, you know, give him, you know, all the credit there that he's a fifth-year senior on special teams busting his ass, but... I did think I thought we'd see more of him in the def in the you know kind of just the you know kind of the normal defensive packages because he played so well in the second half of last season. So he's one of those linebackers I'm gonna be watching. Like I said, I'm watching the entire linebacking core, including my boy Marist. Well, there's a question. Oh, there we go. He would say uh, your next part of your question is I would say Marist isn't. I don't know why, but really felt the linebackers are going to be the strength. I agree with you. I thought the linebackers would be better. Maris looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot of, I mean, he's played 
you know, some football, uh, you know, during the 2020 season. He looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot of football in a while. Hopefully, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he starts to play fast again uh, pretty soon. Alan Rutherford, can you throw a football 55 yards in the air? If not, how dare you? Thank you, Alan. Alan has been involved in a lot of the the Twitter barbs that have been going back and forth, and this stupid Drew Pine clip of him throwing a beautiful pass 55 yards in the air on a three-step drop, which to me seems like, hey, that's something you want your quarterback to be able to do. But most people on Twitter seem to think it's pretty damn easy. It's not. Yeah, it, it, look, and again, people act like, oh, like like it was the 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 old what the hell was that quarterback club? They called the quarterback club whatever the quarterback challenge was in the '90s, where it was like throw the ball as far as you can. This is not what the drill was, right? It was just hey, hit this receiver, and he hit him perfectly in stride. So God, just ah, people. Thank you, Alan. That's a good question. Thank you for for joining in on some of the pine uh, pine puns which uh, have been going on on Twitter tonight as well, which are also fun. So, all right, we got Chris Jenkins coming in. Chris has like a 15-part question this week. I shit you not. Uh, He uh, (laughs) he took took me uh, soliciting for questions very seriously this week. I appreciate it, Chris. I'm going to get through all of them. Um, I'm going to ask. I should have loaded all of your questions up first because you, you asked them in two. Oh, wait. No, I got them all. I got them all right here. So here we go. Here we go. You know what? No, I need a sip of beer. I need I need that. I'm almost done with this one. So it's going to take me through. It's going to take me through Chris's 15-part question. Mm. No, it's not. I got a little bit more. Okay. 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 He, first, Chris said easy go on you this time, and then it was not easy. But... Um, since we are swapping to green for the Cal game, and if it works, should we continue? Uh, should we continue on like the '77 squad? You know what? Absolutely. The season started bad, and uh, you know, in '77 again for those for the young folk on the line. And I was not even born in '77 either, but I know the story. So if you don't know the story, in '77 when Notre Dame, uh, you know, played USC, Dan Devine had his team warm up in blue. Put the green jerseys in the locker when they came out after warm-ups. Surprised them with the green. Came out. Notre Dame crushed, crushed USC in those, uh, you know, in those green jerseys, and they wore them the rest of the year and ended up winning the national championship. So you know what? Yes, probably not going to happen, even if Notre Dame has an amazing game. But whatever. Um, <laughs> I would say yes. Listening to the Irish breakdown, um, they said they should put Merriweather in and basically run what he knows. Uh, they said <laughs> they said that you heard the defense is, um, you know, the uh, they said he is the only player. Um, you know, they have trouble guarding. Should they put him in and just give him certain plays, like tell him to run a post flag streak slant? What do you think? I've I've already said it. I already said I'm watching Tobias Merriweather. I hope to see him in the game. Uh, this, uh, you know, this week. All right. Next up, uh, is it a switch between coaches or does the O-line really stink that bad? I think there's always nuance in, in all of these. I don't think the O-line stinks. Um, I don't think it's just the change in coaches. I think you know, it's, again, it's a combination change in coaches, um, and, and some growing pains. But I also, I've already said, I think Reese um, can do a better job of, um, you know, setting the offensive line up to be successful, right? 
There was one, and I, now I should, again, damn it, I should look these things up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't look all of them up. Um, I do have a day job in my defense. However, um, there was one critical third and like two or three, and I'm watching the TV, and I'm like, there's eight, nine guys at the line of scrimmage. And I see that, and I'm like, well, shit, like, it's going to be a hard situation to run in, right? And like, even, even if the five offensive linemen and mayor and whoever else does their job perfectly, right? You're still asking them, a couple of them to block two men, or what you're basically saying is like, well, there's still going to be some, some un, un, uh, you know, unattended two defenders that yeah, a running back is going to have to get around, right? So that just makes the offensive line look worse when they're already not playing great. So I think there's things that Reese can do, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to, uh, to set them up better. Um, should there be three running back packages or should they all learn just one package and let their skills do the work? Ah, okay. I think Chris is talking more about the running back rotation. Ah, Look, I like all three of the running backs who are getting snaps right now, but I do think Notre Dame is kind of, again, they're getting a little too cute with it, trying to force some things. Um, so I do... I, I, I would like there to be one package and they just all of them learn it and you you play what you you know what uh, you know what, what what you earn what's uh, next one from Chris what type of barbecue would you eat if you had to eat only barbecue for the remainder of your life Woo-wee. okay so if I had to eat only barbecue for the remainder of my life this is gonna be a boring answer I'm sorry for that but I'll explain why. I, I would probably just go basic and something like barbecue chicken because you know why? I would like to live a long life. And if I got to eat barbecue and only barbecue for the remainder of my life, I think chicken, you can, you know, you can manage your way, you manage your way through that. Like I love brisket. Am I going to eat brisket? For the, and that's the only thing I'm going to eat for the rest of my life? It's going to be a short life, right? I love brisket, but it's not, it's not the best for you. A little fatty. Um, so I would say chicken, I would say, cause that would, uh, that would be sustaining, probably not the answer or the drought of the answer you were hoping I would take on that. However, that's where I'm going with it. Um, we got more questions from Chris, so we're going to keep going through them. We'll probably actually read through his progressions and not just stare down a receiver. Uh, yes and no. You're going to see him do that at times. You're going to see him go through his progressions at times. You're also, he's, he hasn't played a lot. He's going to stare down a receiver. It's going to infuriate us all. You take that with, uh, you know, any time a quarterback who hasn't played, uh, you know, hasn't played a lot. You just got to hope he doesn't do it a lot. Um, I mean, Buckner was doing it just too much. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Pine doesn't do it as much. Is it just me or is the D getting gas in the fourth quarter? I already touched on this already. No, I don't think that's it. Um, like I said, Marshall didn't run. Marshall ran less plays than Notre Dame. So, um, no, I don't think it's the defense just, uh, you know, just getting gassed. Um, with the offensive struggles, is it Reese play calling or coaching altogether? You know what? This is the one area. This is a great question, Chris. Um, this is the one area that, that is getting overlooked a lot is that you know we thought at one point that almost the entire staff was staying together right and then Lance Taylor got his gig as offensive coordinator McNulty got his gig as offensive coordinator you got rid of uh you know Jeff Quinn at offensive line 
And now it's almost a whole... Oh, and you, you also didn't bring back Dell Alexander. So Reese was the only holdover there. So I think we all probably overlooked that a little bit. And I think that is playing a role because you have an entire different apparatus here, game day apparatus of who's where and all of that. And actually, credit to Greg. We'll see if Greg listens to these solo pods when I'm not on because uh, I'm going to give him a big shout out here. He talked about this way back. Oh, man. This was in the winter time, I think, in the off season, where he said he was a little concerned about, you know, what was the, you know, what was the, the, the play calling setup and, uh, you know, how, how is everything going to function because McNulty and Reese work together so well. And I think we overlooked that, um, you know, throughout, uh, you know, throughout the offense. So I think it's, um, I, I, I think Reese can improve on the play calling, but I do think the entire, you know, basically having an entire new, you know, all new assistants on the offensive side is, um, is playing a role here too. 11, where's the play action and screens? God, I wish I knew Chris. I wish I knew because, uh, I would like to see, I would like to see more of the, uh, you know, more of the play actions and more of the screens. And I know you got more questions somewhere here, Chris. I saw them. I saw them somewhere. Um, oh man, I yeah, Twitter did some weird things. You you have more. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take some beer. Hold on. Mm. Now I'm done. Now I'm done. Okay, should they swap in receivers or at least play Merriweather, Watts, um, and whoever you got? Yeah, I mean, I think Merriweather specifically. I don't think. I mean. Uh, Watts got moved to a defense for a reason. I think he's only playing receiver if he has to. So I think Merriweather, yes. The rest, no. Hopefully Colsey is back too this week uh, or can play. But he, I don't know. Um, I think we would have seen him by now if he was um, you know, kind of fully ready. Do you think the presence of Manti will get the team fired up? You know what? I, I mean, I think it's going to help. But I'll tell you what, if you're... You're you're a Notre Dame football player. You're 0-2. You're at home. Um, you know after you started the season in the top five, you can't get fired up. You know uh, on your own, and uh, you know then then there's there's bigger problems. Can we clone Bracy and just put him and the clones all over the field? Uh, I wish. You know, props to Tariq Bracy. He had a rough 2020 and has really turned in some pretty damn good football since. It's um, it's always fun to see the players who have those rough patches, whether it's you know, a few games or a season who can really turn things, uh, turn things out or turn things around. Number seven, Greg, I know you're missing this. We're going to see Chris. We will see if, if Greg is missing this, cause we'll see, you know what? We're at the hour point. If Greg is really missing this and, and, and he's listening, I just gave him a shout out. You gave him a shout out. He's going to probably he'll, he'll add us on Twitter. If he doesn't, then we know, then we, then we know. Um, last from Chris, Chris says, okay, he's running out of thoughts, guys. I don't know how you had this many questions, Chris, but I do appreciate it. When do you think we'll see Jalen Snead? I, you know what? I would like to see him soon, uh, but um, I think it's going to be a few more games. I think second half of the season is when we start to see him make some plays. Um, at this point, should they just let them say the hell with it at some old school, draw the play in the palm of the hand and ball out? No, I think they're going to. Uh, I think, I think 
Tommy Reese is going to be able to, uh, you know, to, to, to help at least get them, uh, get them out of this. Um, and he, like I said, the thing that's concerning is it's two years in a row. He's overestimated or, or miscalculated, whatever he's got. Um, and he's done a good job of, of, uh, uh, you know, reversing course on the fly. So we're going to see if he can do it again. Chris as a marathon, but I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you as always for listening and for the questions. All right. We got Woj coming up here at Woj to God says, how many Irish teams in the last 20 years have had a quarterback as captain? Woj, this is one of the best questions we've gotten in a while. It's fascinating. The answer is fascinating and slightly depressing. All right. We got, I looked it up. We got 2000 in the last 20 years. So this takes us back to 2022. Uh, I'm sorry, it is 2022. It takes us back to uh, to uh, to 20 uh, 2002. We got 2006 Brady Quinn, 2009 Jimmy Clausen, 2020 Ian Book. That's three seasons in the last 20 years. Notre Dame has had a quarterback as it's as one of its captains and Notre Dame just passes the captaincy out like Skittles most years you got years where there's like eight captains seven captains and it's like that's sobering folks and it tells you all you need to know about the quarterback position at Notre Dame for the last 20 years and how it's been such an issue you want your quarterback to be captain you want that that guy to be the leader of your team and to think that Notre Dame has had three in the last 20 years is not ideal now Deshaun Kaiser would have been uh, a captain in 2017 had he returned but we know he didn't you know he went to he went to the NFL instead so that would have been four over 20 years slightly better but man, that's not great. It's not great. Um, but I, it was a very, really good question. Um, we got Ryan uh, Ryan Ritter, our buddy at Andy Tex. How's the Drew Pine fan club coming? It's coming good, Ryan. It's lonely. It's lonely right now. It could stay lonely if he has a bad game and Stephen Jelly passes him. But I'll tell you what. Like I said, I'm willing to be patient and I'm willing to give the kid a chance. Um, will there be a new intro for the podcast, uh, changing the title from single high to going deep? You know what? Drew Pine, uh, you know, Drew Pine, you know, tosses four touchdowns this week and has another good game next week. We might have to, we might have to look into such, you know, such things. Um, and Greg, if you're still listening, this is what happens when you're not here. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's all on the, all on the table. Um, we also, we got two more questions and then I can put a bow on this and I can get some sleep tonight. Jim Catanzarite, Catanzarite, Jim, sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, but he says, is this arguably one of the biggest games in the last 10 years, given the circumstances of the season? 
also a very good question. So Jim, so thank you for for you know for the question, Jim. I don't I haven't recognized uh, you know I think this is the first question you've had for the pod, so we appreciate that. I don't. It, it, I'm struggling to answer it because on my first thought, I'm like, no, because we're already zero two. But I, I get what you're saying. You're, what you're saying is, if Notre Dame loses, what are the, uh, you know, the consequences? Because it's like, well, if you lose this game after you lose Marshall, then Marshall wasn't a fluke. This is just who you are. And then it's like, well, shit. Are we headed down a 2026 or uh, 2016, uh, you know, 2007 rap? Possible. Like that's I don't want to think it. Um, I don't want to think that that's what we're headed for, um, for multiple reasons. But uh, so, is it one of the biggest games in the last ten years? I don't know. So because I mean, then the retort of that is like, okay, if you win it, it's still just one game. You're still one and two. And then what? Then then do you say does the North Carolina game then become one of the biggest? games in the last 10 years so i struggle from it from you know kind of from that perspective um in in terms of saying is it big is it one of the biggest in the last 10 years i don't know i mean it's a internet has played some big games in the last 10 years you know if we go back if we include the 2012 season you have oklahoma that year you have the usc game with a with a playoff uh bid or not playoff, uh, BCS championship bid on the line. You got the BCS national championship game, you know, that year. Uh, 2013, you had Oklahoma, you know, coming to, uh, you know, to town. You had a USC game um, where, you know, things, <laughs> uh, you know, where, where, where you had a chance, uh, you know, to kind of turn your season around and you did not. Uh, 2014, you had the Michigan game. That's a pretty big game. 2015, you had Clemson. Uh, you had the Stanford game that had potential, maybe, uh, you know, potential uh, implications there. Um, you know, at the at the end of the at the end of the season, you had a Fiesta Bowl that year. 2016, we're just going to forget happened. 2017, you had a Citrus Bowl against LSU. That was a big game. You had uh who what what other games did we have that year that were that were big? Yeah, oof. We had the Miami game, you had the Georgia game. You had a lot of big games that year. 2018, you went to the playoffs and again, you had games where the playoffs were on the line and then you had a playoff game. 2020, you had two games against Clemson, a game against Alabama. There's been a lot of big games, so I don't want to say that it's it, it's it's bigger than those games, but it's an important game. Uh, Notre Dame has to win this. Um, you, you just have to, because I don't want to think about them losing it. Um, all right. We got the last question here is from Evan at Elosun8. Um, says, should they put the names on the back of the jerseys permanently? This is a good question. I I don't. There's some fans who care about this a lot. I just don't. I don't necessarily. Um, so I I mean, it, it, honestly, I, I would say this is one one of those things that I I don't have a strong opinion on. Really wouldn't bother me, you know, one way, um, 
or you know or another he says now say notre dame decides they'll have them on only one jersey only should it be home or away and why um you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna get this is this is not the time to answer this way but whatever um you know i would say if you're going to if you're gonna do it for one you do it for the away so the opponent's fans know who just scored on them right i mean it's this is not the time to talk big like that i'm aware of that i'm aware but uh that beer was pretty good. It wasn't the first I had today either. So um, that's where that answer came from. But uh, I think I made it through. I think I made it through all of the questions, y'all. Um, I did. I made it through them all. And just under an hour and 15, I did it solo. Um, I So I appreciate y'all. Um, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold the phone, folks. I missed a couple questions. This is on me. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna edit this either. Uh, I'm just gonna run right through it. We got. Uh, we do have some more questions to run through. So, Chris uh, Schieber says we heard during last year's camp how much of a game wrecker Leofau would be. Hasn't carried over to this year. Thus far, I've seen poor recognition, terrible angles, and getting lost in the scrum on running plays. Looks more like Shane Simon than JOK thoughts oh my boy marist so hopeful um still am uh you know what again I, I said it earlier he looks like somebody who's not quite playing fast right now looks like he's thinking a little bit too much and i hope we start to see him stop thinking um a little bit like rooster in top gun maverick which told you all that i finally saw i watched it again uh, but I'm, you know, uh, one, uh, one, one day I had, uh, had it on in the background while doing some work. So, uh, hopefully we start to see him, you know, stop thinking and just doing, um, I, there's, it's way too soon to say he's not going to be a game wrecker. I still think he can be. All right. Yeah. Drew Brennan at Drew Brennan 77, uh, says he listened to the Irish illustrated podcast today and they talked about how we can expect a lot of short throws from pine on Saturday. Any chance Drew surprises us all and comes out slinging and proves he can throw a ball downfield. I already talked about this, and I you know, respect the the guys over at Irish Illustrated, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot. But I I think it's a misconception about Pine that he's just gonna dink and dunk, and I think he is going to take shots. Whether or not we like those the, the results of those shots, we're gonna find out. But hey, I think he's gonna take them. Uh, Kevin McFarland at Kevin underscore Mo says, should we wear green until we lose? I already think we, we covered this. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, last one we got is Brian Jung at Irish red leg says, if you are the schedule maker, you have to pick one non-traditional opponent to a venue they haven't played in yet. Who are you picking and where are they playing? I'm picking Auburn in Dodger Stadium. Not sure if it can be done, but it would be a great venue. That's a good one. Um, although I don't know that I would go Dodger Stadium. Um, I, I, Auburn would be fun to, uh, you know, it would be fun to play them. Ah, let's see. One that's not already scheduled that we haven't played, uh, you know, kind of recently, and that's not on schedule. <sighs> Um, let's see, a non-traditional 
opponent. Let's see who's who's somebody. Let's kind of let, let, let's start there. Who would be a fun non-traditional opponent that we haven't played? Uh, you know, somebody like, you know, who's actually just, somebody like Oregon stands out to me. Um, Notre Dame hasn't played them. That could be a kind of fun game. Uh, they're like, one, they're, they're one of the first that I thought of, um, in terms of like, Hey, who would be fun, you know, for, uh, you know, for, you know, for, for Notre Dame to play. Um, another one, actually Florida. Let's go Florida. Actually. I would like to see Notre Dame play Florida. Uh, where should that game be? Uh, hmm. Let's pick somewhere wild. Where, 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 where would a wild venue be for that game? I know there's going to be some people who are listening. No, you should only play. You play it in a swamp. Play it at Notre Dame Stadium. I get it. Well, actually, see, the problem with playing, like, Florida is if you want to play it in a wild location. Like, I don't know, none of the real, none of the other, like, pro stadiums in in Florida really, yeah, has me excited. Um, you play Oregon, there's not a lot of options out there other than just playing on Oregon's campus. <sighs> That's a good question. So maybe just Oregon. Maybe just Oregon, you know, out in, out in Oregon and, uh, you know, kind of kind of go from there. I don't think if there's anybody else that I would like to see. I think it would be kind of cool for Notre Dame to play at Iowa just because of some of their their game day traditions. Um, but other than that, but that would just be a boring game, especially this year. It would be two really bad, at least right now, two bad offenses playing each other. Uh, so, yeah, let's just go Oregon. That would be fun. Yeah, let's say we'll go with that. Damn it, it was five more minutes, y'all. Now we're at an hour and 20. We're at an hour and 20. Not that we time it. Um, I'm just shocked that I was able to to talk to something. I'm shocked my voice is still here, y'all. Um, it's rough right now. It's going to be. I might not have it tomorrow. Luckily, I don't have a lot of lot of, lot of meetings uh, to take, uh, you know, to take up my time tomorrow. But, hey, we did it. You know what I haven't done? I have not predicted my final score of this game. It's going to be in my article. Subject to change as I wake up in the morning and finish that article. Ooh. Notre Dame's going to win. You know why Notre Dame's going to win? I don't want to think about a loss. That's why Notre Dame's going to win. No, uh, <laughs> but kind of. Uh, Notre Dame will, I, I do think Notre Dame wins this game. There's no way Notre Dame starts the Freeman era off 0-4. There's no way this team starts the season 0-3. I don't think it's going to be as convincing as maybe we all thought it would be, um, you know, just a month ago or three weeks ago or two weeks ago. But let's go Notre Dame 27, which I realize is a lot of points uh, considering how many they scored this year. But 27, and I'm going to give Cal 16. 27-16, which I realize just barely covers the spread, which is 10.5. So that's interesting. God, man, Vegas, it's funny. Like, that's where my mind went was about 11 points, and that's uh, that's right where Vegas is. So um, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go 27-16, which is... 
won't be fun. It wouldn't like if that's the outcome. It's probably going to be one of those games. that's not the most fun, but we just need a win right now, and we'll go from there. And uh, and then we figure everything else out from there. And is if that sounds not great, that sounds depressing. That we're talking about just trying to barely find a way to beat Cal. Just remember, folks, we barely found a way to beat Toledo last year. We did not look good against Purdue in week three. We got, I don't want to say we got lucky against, um, you know, Wisconsin because you don't win a game by as many points as Notre Dame won by being lucky. But I mean, man, Graham Mertz helped um, in that, in that Wisconsin game. Then we looked bad against Cincinnati and we got, again, somewhat lucky against Virginia Tech on the road. So last year, Notre Dame was 5-1. and one. We were all pretty happy. We were like, Notre Dame's going to figure this out in the bye. That team could have been 2-3 and three at the bye so easily. Um, so for as not great as this feels right now, I, it's it, it, the difference between winning and losing is really, uh, in a lot, of, a lot of times, it's not large. And that's what we're finding this year. So my point being... If, as long as Notre Dame wins this weekend, however they win is going to be a good thing. And it will you know, just kind of buy more time to figure stuff out. Um, and just like I said, get to the bye. That's that, that, that's the goal right now. Notre Dame, Notre Dame is now in playing two seasons. They're playing a two-game season to get to the bye, and then they have the rest of the year. And... Game one is, is 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 this weekend. You get that win, and you figure out how you beat North Carolina, and then you go into the bye, and you have some time to fix, you know, maybe some uh, some bigger issues. So it's where I'm at. We're gonna get the win. It's gonna be a more jubilant post game pod this week. So with that, I'm gonna tie this one off here, um, and I'm going to say, as always. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for listening. I checked for reviews before I started. No new reviews. So give us some reviews. We appreciate them. You know we read them. And as always, go Irish. Go Irish.